Today on Sagittarian Matters, coming out, manifesting love, managing anxiety, and more with esteemed Capricorn astrologer and psychic medium, Jessica Lanyato. Stay tuned. Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. That is correct, friends. Producer Ponyo and I donned our finest masks and gloves and drove right up the I-5 from Los Angeles to Portland. I want to tell you a little bit about getting tested for COVID-19 before we left Los Angeles, just because it is a very particular 2020 time capsule. Um, And I want to tell you, for me, you've been hearing my neighborliness devolve over the course of the pandemic on the podcast. I live in Los Angeles in Silver Lake, which is a very dense area full of people who, you know, some of them like to wear a mask and some just don't. And anytime I leave my house, it is impossible to not be near those people it's just impossible. It's a very dense neighborhood. There's a lot of people outside and the summer was just getting hotter. And so it was time for me to go to a place where I felt a little bit less misanthropic because over the course of quarantine, I just was getting more and more uptight and hostile and like jumping out of the way, being like, ah, every time somebody came around a corner with no mask at all. So now we're in Portland, Oregon, where there's a little more space Producer Ponyo and I can go in the backyard, be underneath a tree, and not have to worry about a single thing. So we're here for right now. I wanted to tell you that we drove up the I-5 and did not go into any establishments except for one very cleanly covid COVID, we did some, I did some lesbian processing with the people at this Airbnb. So I had a no contact, very cleaned Airbnb that nobody had been in for a while. And that was nice. Um, but before I left, I got tested. I thought that seemed like a responsible thing to do. And it is a very particular thing for this time. So in Los Angeles, you can get tested for free. You sign up online, you make an appointment, and then you show up in your automobile. You have to have a car. Um, Dodger Stadium, a place where we used to go to events and where there used to be sports games, is now just a big COVID testing facility of a parking lot. And so you go there in your car and you have your mask or whatever, and you go up to a booth that is a little bit, it's essentially where the um, parking attendant used to take your money. But now there's a person wearing a mask and a plastic shield over their face, and they're holding one of those long kind of trash grabbers, like a stick with a grabber on the end, and they they you know stick it out of the booth and after they find out your name because there's a post-it note on the outside of your window with your appointment number on it they give you a special pouch that's just for you it's identified for you so that later when you give them the test they'll be able to tell whose is whose so you get this little pouch and the pouch has a vial in it and it has a swab in it and it has instructions and you go in your car in this line. You have to keep your windows up. There's lots of little sweet public health workers walking around with signs and masks that are holding signs that say, keep your windows rolled up. And so you keep your window rolled up and you watch projected on a big screen 
like you're at the drive-in, there's a movie and the movie is a man showing you how to do this. And after that movie, you get to see the mayor of Los Angeles, Mayor Garcetti, giving some kind of motivational speech about how awesome it is to get COVID tested. I don't know. So let's go to the reenactment. So this man in the movie, um, you know, he has his pouch, he opens it up. Oh, no, the first thing he does, sorry, you cough really hard in your car five times. So you see this guy pantomiming or actually cough. <laughs> That's you in your car. You cough really hard and then you get a little swab. And you don't, you don't stick it up your nose. This is a mouth swab. So you swab your gums, the roof of your mouth, under your tongue, all around. Just as much as you can, just swab, 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 swab. And then you stick it in the vial. You close it up. It has a barcode on it. That means that's you. You put it all back in the bag. And then you drive forward through your long line of cars, all with their windows up. And you chuck it into, it looks like a trash bin, on your way out. It's just like a big can with a bag in it. And you chuck your your pouch in there. And then two days later, they send you an email. And in my case, mm, I was COVID negative. Thus far, thus good. Knock on wood, knock on wood. And I felt okay driving shortly thereafter while maintaining the same level of hypervigilance that I have before that you've come to trust from Sagittarian Matters. So I just wanted to tell you about that because that's what's happening. Now we're in Portland and Jessica Lignato, friend of the show, esteemed Capricorn and astrologer, joined me to give some advice. Please enjoy my talk with friend of the show, Jessica Lignato. Jessica Lignato is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium who has been in private practice with clients all over the world since 1995. She's a triple Capricorn. She has a wonderful podcast called Ghost of a Podcast, and her new book, Astrology for Real Relationships, is available right now. Find it at lovelignato.com or any independent retailer where books are sold. Now, please enjoy my talk with friend of the show, Jessica Lignato. Dear Sagittarian Matters, hi, I have a question pertaining to working. While during a pandemic and while so many people are out of work, I'm super grateful to have work, but it feels more scary and stressful and more of a responsibility and like any moment things can change. So how do I proceed without constantly being anxious about losing my job, keeping a job and having a job? Thank you from Stressed Out in Sacramento. You know what? You have no control whatsoever, my dear, who has a job and is terrified of losing that job. You have no control. You know what? You never had control. You never had control. This isn't, this is a period of time where we are being confronted with our lack of control and our lack of safety. We are being confronted with the ways in which our social network, like our social safety net doesn't protect us. We are being confronted with um, the pervasive, and uh, persistent underpinnings of racism in our society. None of these things are new things. None of these things are brand new, but they're all um, very deeply in our faces right now. And I think that it's um, really powerful from like a psychological level. Uh, and I, of course, on a societal level, it's very powerful. But in the context of your question, what you're telling me, by, as, by asking this question is that you probably always had anxiety and fear around your security and it's just been dialed up. But you were never in control of whether or not you got fired. You were never in control of whether or not you get another job. 
because those things are not all on you. And if you have a job currently, which they do, uh, then I think your, your work right now is to reinforce with gratitude uh, that today you're secure and today you're well cared for. And just make that a daily practice. Every time the anxiety comes up, you don't need to convince yourself not to have it. You don't need to convince yourself that you're going to be safe in the future. We don't know if anyone's going to be safe in the future. Have you heard of global warming? Have you heard of Boogaloo? Those are things that we can't control and they are in the world very much. But what you can do is every time your brain goes to these negative fears and thoughts, just respond with today, I have a job. Today, I am perfectly safe in regards to this fear. And so you want to start adding to the conversation in your mind. You don't need to subtract because you can't tell your anxieties that you're going to be fine tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to be, but you never did. You want to reinforce your safety today. And then you may take practical steps like saving more money and spending less money on stupid shit, you know, uh, making sure that your resume is cute. Uh, maybe you want to take an extra class right now to invest in moving your career in a direction you want it to go long-term. I don't fucking know what you do, but you know, those are, those are things that you can do on the pragmatic, but I wouldn't encourage you to start there. I would encourage you to start on the psychological and emotional level because that's the problem. The problem isn't your material security. That would be if you didn't have a job, but you do. So that's my advice. I think that's a perfect advice. Dear Sagittarian Matters, for a long while, I've been considering telling my white, we don't talk about stuff grandparents that I am a trans person. It's been easy to hide from them the past four years of my transition because I no longer live in my home state. And until last year, I was much more androgynous. And now, thanks to COVID-19, I have a great excuse to not go home and visit. A part of me would prefer to continue this pattern of avoidance and never have to face them as I truly am. But I also know the avoidance stems from my own internal shame. Jessica, you always say where shame is involved, Pluto is involved. And sure enough, Pluto is conjunct both my Sun and Mercury in Scorpio and opposite my North Node. All this leads me to two questions. One, do y'all have any thoughts on how to gracefully tell two sentimental oldsters that their only AFAB grandkid is not who they think they are? And two, how can I embrace the heavy Plutonian energy in my chart in a healthy and proactive way? What would that even look like? Thank you, friends, for your help. Kindly, Trans in Tucson. And they didn't say how old they were, did they? Mm -mm. You know, the reason why I start with that part of the question is because if their grandparents are like in their 80s or 90s, I think it's perfectly fine to play it out a little bit because it is a global pandemic, you know, and I think... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, there is no reason to assume that this will be an easy conversation. And I don't mean to, I'm not giving you the advice to not come out or to not be honest, but I would say that I think their health and their um, age is a relevant factor in making that call because what you're really talking about is two things. Like, is do I need to out myself to these family members in order to overcome internalized shame or as a reflection of overcoming internalized shame? And then the other part of it is to have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. But when you out yourself as something that family members may not be able to accept, then you risk not having a relationship with them anyways, right? And that is part of the risk. And when we talk about all those kinds of Pluto issues, that's part of the risk. Part of the risk is, being authentic means sometimes 
letting go of control and kind of like allowing people to be who they are and needing to take responsibility for who you are. Um, and so it's like, a, it's a tricky question because coming out is so incredibly personal. And do they say that they're trans or they're non-binary? They are trans. They, they're considering telling the grandparents that they're a trans person. They would like, part of them would like to continue the pattern of avoidance and never have to face them as this person truly is. But they also know that avoidance stems from their own internal shame. I mean, I, I also want to say you don't owe anyone any information that makes yeah. you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. It's yeah. not like, come, like you were saying, coming out is so hard and it's not, you know, I'm proud of you, caller. I'm so I'm happy too. I'm so happy for you to be exactly who you are. But if you feel like you just need to have this conversation because I don't know of some idea that that's what you should do, you don't have to. I agree. With you that. can, you can, if that's what feels good to you, but you definitely don't have to. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're less of like a queer freedom fighter or less yourself or anything. I mean, if you want to, it feels good to you. If you're like, I want to be honest with them and have this perfectly honest relationship for the last five, 10 years of their lives. Yeah. Or depending on your age, maybe 20, 30 years of their lives. And that's, that's where the age I think is important. Um, and I really, I really agree with what you're saying. I think coming out is often a painful process and you know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe your grandparents have said hella things where you're just like, yeah, they're transphobic, but you never know. You just don't, you can't know. So I think there's pros and cons, but in terms of if you're going to come out, you've got to make peace with, you can't control their feelings. You can't control their thoughts. You can't control how they're going to react or respond. And you got to make peace with that. Mm -hmm. And you got to make peace with the fact that you're different people. And, you know, they may have shitty values. They may simply be uneducated. Um, and depending on what kind of TV they have exposure to, they may not have a lot of contact with trans people and understanding what that is. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I think that it is complicated, but I really agree with you, Nicole. Like, it's not necessary in order to be a whole person. And it's not necessarily the way to overcome shame. Um, I, I wish that we had a better answer. It's just that we don't have exactly enough information about who this person is or what their family history is or mm -hmm. how much they're, how close they are to their, like, do their grandparents raise them or their grandparents, like, side family? Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, I'll just say, from my experience, my coming out story was in different phases with different people, too. And that was to keep myself safe. It wasn't because I had any shame around it. I wasn't stoked. The people who I knew would be loving and supportive of me and who I cared to tell and share this part of my life, I did right away. I was like, great. And the only hard part was that I was nervous to be like, I'm telling you something new about myself that feels really valuable to me and important that you didn't know. Um, and then people in my life that were more volatile, harsh, hostile, Christian kind of people who like, I, I wasn't, you know, who I wasn't like super tight with in the first place. I was like, I'm going to keep myself safe by waiting until I feel completely robust and completely ready to talk to that person. I don't want to be in a, like a, I don't know, a vulnerable state when I'm telling that person who I know is going to try and beat me with a Bible. And that was for safety. That was my own personal thing. You know, that's why, like, you know, kids living somewhere with their parents 
who are like, I feel like the only way to be proud of myself and not shameful is to tell them. It's like, maybe that may not be the best safety choice for you, depending on your situation. It doesn't, you're not doing me a disservice as a gay person for you to keep yourself safe. Ultimately, I think where you and I really agree, Nicole, is you don't need to out yourself to people in order to embrace yourself. And it's not a prerequisite of overcoming shame. And I mean, for some people in some situations, it may be, but it is not inherently, right? And I think that that's kind of at the core of, of the Pluto question is being able to embrace yourself um, on your terms means you don't owe anyone anything. You don't know anyone like an explanation or proof of your self-acceptance. Uh, self-acceptance is an inside job. So I, I hope that's helpful. We give you some, some, take what you like and leave the rest, listener. Take what you like, leave the rest, but also good luck. Good luck. Wash your hands. Proud of you. Today's episode is brought to you by Perry Huntoon, Leo Fitzpatrick, Ralphie, Demetra Halutsos, Kaya Wilson, Jane Pyatt, Elise Miller, Leah Engel, Sam Cohen, Emily Helmus, Jill Pruitt, Maria Turner Carney, Robert Daniel, Bridget Sweet, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, Christy Herod, and Shoshana Ruth Wechter. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially and in particular producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or this just in, he's got a Venmo. That's Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E double hockey sticks books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. P.S. We want to give a very special shout out this week to Dr. Katie Spencer for her exquisite vocal services. Thank you, Dr. Spencer. Hi, Sagittarian Matters and Jessica. I'm writing to you because I have been single for nine years, and that is making me feel very sad and depressed. I have been through periods of my life when I have loved being single and I've really embraced it, but now I want a relationship more than anything. I feel like there is a large part of me that is going unexplored, and I feel very empty without a fulfilling love. I don't know what to do to bring this love into my life. You hear things like you want it too much, stop looking, put yourself out there. I don't know what to do anymore. Thank you so much for your help and for both of your podcasts. I love listening to them and they are a real highlight of my week. From looking for love in, what is a damn state that starts with the letter L or a C? Looking for love in Long Island. So sorry. (laughs) That's good. No, I liked that. Um, isn't that in the state of New York? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. I was like, is my American geography that bad? No. Uh, okay. So wait, but they didn't include any birth information, right? No. Like, we don't know how old they are. No. Okay. No. But I, so, I'm, I'm assuming that they're in their mid to late 30s based, based on my demographics. Based on my demographics and the fact that they said nine years. Yes. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Um, so the question is, what the fuck do they do to get love? Yeah. I've done manifestation work to draw love to me very effectively. Have you ever done that? I have. I have. And was it effective? It was. However, sometimes I feel like 
stepping in the way of the universe or higher, trying to force higher powers will, trying to force the universe's will has sometimes brought me the thing I asked for, but not the thing I needed. Correct. Like That's I've, the key of manifestation work mm-hmm. is that your thinking and your feelings have to be on the same page. So the problem is, is when people are like, I want to be in a relationship. 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 That's what they're saying. That's what they're thinking. But if what you're feeling is, I'm scared of being alone. 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 Then you're not manifesting what you think you're manifesting. You've kind of got to get your heart and your head on the same page. That's what manifestation is. It's not about calling in the will of the universe. It's more about getting your thoughts and your feelings in line for what you want and what the reason why we don't do this is because our fears and our our sense of like uh, vulnerability get in the way and so we kind of fixate on what we don't have and we fixate on our fears of being stuck with what we don't have and so you know when i teach manifestation and i just want to like pause to say Manifestation is like a complicated topic, I feel like, and I feel like uh, especially can be done, talked about in a way that's like uh, really irresponsible in the context of social issues and, and uh, racial issues and all kinds of other systemic inherited issues. And so uh, manifestation in general, I think, is, is can be quite complicated. Um, but the actual practice of aligning your thoughts and your feelings so that you are coming from a centralized place inside of yourself is not complicated and is effective and uh, can be very effective. It's just not a magic bullet. It doesn't like pull you out of the world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't like manifest buckets and buckets of wealth while like clipping your toenails at home. Maybe someone can, but that's hard to do. Most people get money from things, from doing things, mm-hmm. right? So like that kind of thing. So also say the thing I would encourage you to do is to look at your feelings and to make sure that you're not investing your emotional energy on what you don't have and what you fear. And if you are doing that, to strive to get to a place of neutrality. Well, I don't have it now and I haven't had it for nine years, but lots of people don't have love for decades and then one day they do. So it's not evidence of anything to get to a place of neutrality instead of negativity. And then from that place, start to build up positive, uh, like essentially building up your tolerance for having hope and yearning and that's really difficult to do but in doing that you start to manifest what you want and it's very very difficult work honestly because getting your heart in line with your head is a lot harder than it sounds it's quite difficult I don't know does that make sense does that feel right to you it does I mean I felt if I can I'm trying to think of how I can speak very specifically and very generally but I've had times where I was like this is the plan that needs to happen, listener. You know, where I was like, this is the plan that needs to happen. Um, I I want my life to look exactly like this. And then I was trying to force that issue and it wasn't happening for me. And what I had to do, and I'm sure you've done this. I'm sure it's been nine years. You've done a lot of different things. So take what you like, leave the rest. But I just had to get so down into it. I had to get deep into a gratitude list. I just had to get deep into acceptance of what my life was offering me. And just Jessica, just to piggyback off what you're saying, instead of focusing on things that's not there, to be like, have acceptance about what is there and be grateful for things you didn't ask for. Because yeah. there's things in your life that you didn't ask for, but that you got anyway. 
And just having a moment of really marinating in those and just being like, oh my God, like I have X, Y, Z. I have like a beautiful dog. I have beautiful friendships or I have this great career thing or like this particular thing is feeding me. And it's something I never would have even thought to ask for, but it's here. And really getting to accept those things helped me. And it helped me chill for a minute and be like, who says your life needs to look like this? Like who's like, it's sure you want partnership in this way, but who says that that's what a life is? Like, where is that voice coming from? Where did that idea come from? Just like sitting with it. And I, for me, I feel like that helps instead of, it helps block out just like the heteronormative, like world at large. It's like, here's how life needs to be. Here's, you know, here's what success is. Here's interpersonal success. Here's whatever success It's just to sit and be like, here's what I have. Here's what I enjoy. Let me make up my own voice for what I want. Mm-hmm. I think also, I think also that there's a way, and again, maybe you've already done all this stuff because nine years, right? Okay. Um, but there's a way that if you can get interested in what your situation or your lack of situation um, is revealing to you about yourself, what it's revealing to you, because a lot of people who tell me, oh, I haven't been in a relationship in X amount of years, they have amazing friendships. They have other forms of intimacy that flow and that are abundant. And so what's the difference? Be interested in the difference. Why you can have closeness with, you know, platonic friends, but not necessarily romantic partners. Like what is, what is it inside of you that is different? And not to find the answer, not to judge yourself, but be interested because it's fucking interesting. It's interesting when one part of our life really is abundant or effective or whatever, and another part isn't. Right. And if you can be interested without an agenda, you can figure things out. And from that place, you can then, you know, use that information to manifest or make changes or whatever it is. But um, yeah, so that's that's our I think that's a pretty good hot take, given that we didn't get a whole lot of information. Yeah. And I mean, I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll always say it again. It's hard for me to understand with COVID what the best strategies are. I don't love dating apps as a primary source of meeting people because I don't know if those are people that you are naturally supposed to meet in the wild. Um, Sometimes that feels like forcing the universe's hand to be like, if I just look hard enough and swipe hard enough, I'll find someone who looks a little better than the other people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I always think like volunteering somewhere that's close to your heart, getting involved in something that you truly care about. So then you can meet somebody who's aligned with those things that you care about and you actually get to see them in action and see them in practice you know, if your friends are not batting people towards you, if you're not meeting people at work or whatever, like just finding yourself in other situations where you're doing something you care about so you can come into contact with other people who are too. That's great advice. That's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. And also, you know what? I don't think it's especially safe to be meeting lots of new people during COVID myself. I'm no. very concerned about that. And again, we don't know the age of this person. So their risk tolerance may be very different. But I also think if you are open to online dating during COVID for people who have been single for a very long time or people who are ambiguous about um, online dating, this is your fucking moment because there's no pressure to meet in person. You don't have to meet in person. You can build up intimacies on phone calls and video chats, which is, there's nothing safer. There's nothing safer. You just put a white wall behind you. No one has any identifying information create, you know, anonymous email address and an anonymous like Zoom account or whatever, you'll never be safer. Like this is actually the introvert, chronically single person's 
uh, Advantage Court. Is that a sports reference? Home Advantage. Home Advantage. That's that's a Home. sports reference. There we go. I called it Advantage Court. That's a slam court. dunk for you, my friend. This is, this is not a sportsy <laughs> podcast. Um, so yeah, that's. I would just say, like you know, really lean in to this fucking weird moment where there's no pressure to meet in person. Anyways, don't meet anyone in person. You don't have to do nothing. Like just connect with people, be interested in your, how attached you get in your responses and how you show up and how maybe you're not authentic with people when you like them, or you're really authentic with people who you don't think are cute or whatever, like get to know yourself, be interested in yourself without the pressure of putting out or having drinks or any other terrible thing. I mean, putting out isn't terrible and drinking isn't terrible, but you know what I mean, right? Like whatever terrible things that are like the dating world. Those are things that force that force a certain kind of intimacy really fast. And so that give you like a false sense of intimacy really fast and help like oxytocin just be like, here's what to do. Whereas you get to really slow it down and really make some choices about people and you get to decide, are they nose swab worthy? You know, like that's the new sponge worthy is, are they, are you, would you be willing to get a COVID test nose swab in order to meet this person? If not, great information. If you follow the Elaine Bennis metaphor, I mean, reference, you don't belong on this podcast. (laughs) I mean, I just, I want to say, no, that's, that's maybe that's rude, but yes, excellent. Well done. So beautiful. Agree button. And also if part of your kind of issue is like, no, nobody that I like likes me back on these dating apps, Mm -hmm. uh, Open up who you like. This mm-hmm. is online. This isn't real life. Just allow yourself for a moment to go on like these like video chat dates with people who you're like, mm, I don't think that's my type. I don't know. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you don't know what your type is. It's been nine years. Like open it up and see how that goes. Because you might talk to someone whose photo isn't your type, but you're like charmed by his awkward or her awkward weirdness. Like just see what happens. That's that's hot tips. Hi listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Dear Sagittarian Matters, my 35th birthday is July 5th, and I know there's a lunar eclipse that day. What does this mean? What does this mean for my year ahead? Sounds good. I'm, what does this mean for my year ahead? I'm feeling stuck right now and I kind of want to blow up my life and try a new career field, even though it terrifies me. Signed, Cautious Cancerian. Okay. Jessica's holding her hair over her face and she gasps. A little bit, a little bit. So, okay. If you're feeling stuck, you're not going to stay stuck because eclipses uh, stimulate evolution and they are they are they bring up kind of an unexpected force of energy and so since before the eclipse about two weeks before the eclipse on june 5th so since like mid late may of 2020 we've been in eclipse season i think it's safe to say that most of us have had our lives 
really intensified the world things are really moving so much quicker now to have an eclipse on it's like it's the it's actually happening on the 4th of july at 11 47 p.m pacific time so we're calling it a july 5th um one because on the east coast and like most of the country of the u.s it is july 5th but july 4th eclipse kind of has its own ring to it wouldn't you say i do um i would say in this moment uh so in the context of, of you changing your life dramatically, yeah, do that, yes. Slash also don't fucking change your job during Mercury retrograde unless you need to. Um, this is the time to really reflect on what you've liked in the past and to like learn from your life experiences, to reflect on what you want. It's not the time to make the move. Mercury goes direct in mid-July, like early mid-July. So it's not that much longer now. But in the context of the eclipse, this year promises to be really fucking intense for you and one that can mark a time of great evolution. So in terms of changing your career, sure, absolutely. Slash also, I don't know if you've looked at the at the newspapers, um, but there's a diverse session, which may be like a Great Depression style recession. And uh, I think this is not a time to be idealistic in terms of being able to provide for your most basic needs. And so as much as I am encouraging evolution, revolution, change, greater authenticity, and there's no way you're gonna stay stuck this year. Um, even though all that's true, I think it is important to be realistic about your finances. You know, anytime people are like, oh, I'm planning on changing my career right now. I'm like, why, why now? Uh, when it feels like we're at the beginning of, of another great depression, right? Mm -hmm. So I just encourage taking the economic downturn seriously. Mm, I think that's yeah, not to be a boner. Be a boner. Be a boner killer. That's what the podcast I mean, is for. Hello, that Sherry Matters. I have a question. This is a little bit broad. It's written. I'm going to read it as written. I, I need help with boundaries while being an advocate during these trying times, especially when in community with people who are doing drugs and or are challenging intimate and are in challenging intimate dating relationships. I have been taking space and then when I reach out, their lives are total dumpster fires. I try to talk to them on the phone and end up being really fatigued from the interactions. Mm. Signed, fatigued in Fresno. A lot of questions from Fresno. Um, are there a lot of questions from Fresno? No, just every time there's an F1, I pretend like they're oh, from okay. Fresno. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> you can make it up. I um, you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so boundaries while being an advocate. Are they asking you to be an advocate? It's a great question you're asking. I just wonder if you're doing a little bit of volunteerism that's wearing you out that maybe nobody asked you for. Mm -hmm. which I, I don't mean to be harsh. You know, certainly you care about these people and that's why you're checking them in. And that's why you're checking in on them. But... Um, they're also probably grown adults that have their own path and their own level for discomfort and their own choices. And so some of this discomfort they're feeling that's horrifying to you might just be them having the dignity of their own experience, making their life as hard as it needs to be before they change anything. And so you, you can check in on that or not. Sorry to be harsh, harsh dude over here. What is it they say in AA? Like you can't, you can't rob someone of their bottom. Mm. Uh, I never yeah, heard that before, but yeah. I think I think that's really what you're getting at is yeah. is and I think you know on on the other side is the boundary to consider is can you be close with people who you don't especially resonate with their life choices? Mm -hmm. Can you be close with friends who can't really be there for you in an equal way because 
they're busy burning their lives up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's perfectly reasonable to say, I love you. I care about you. And we have outgrown our moment in the sun mm-hmm. um, because of how things are different. You know, something that I see happen with couples in particular, straight couples a lot in my counseling practice is, you know, a woman will be with a man and she will kind of like take care of him a lot, not really realize it until they have a kid. And then all of a sudden she has an actual human baby. And so she no longer wants to, or has the capacity to take care of her male partner baby. And it forces a a change in the relationship. That's really painful because he's like, why did you change? You're not showing up for me the way you have for years. And she's like, why don't you change? We had a baby. And I wonder if like this actually resonates with you, questioner, because things have changed in the world. And you're like, well, of course we should all change in response to these things. But if people are wrapped up in their substance use or in their coping tools netted in disassociation, mm-hmm. then then they're, they're not able to be the person who's like, oh, I have a baby. I should change. They're the person who's like, you should still treat me like a baby. Aren't I your baby? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's on you. Is that what you want to stay partnered with? Is that something that you can keep on engaging with? Sometimes boundaries is saying to someone, this is what I need. And sometimes boundaries is recognizing the person saying, oh, well, I'm not giving you that. I can't give you that. Mm -hmm. And then you have to take care of yourself from there. It's not convincing people to see things the way you see them. It's recognizing that sometimes Differences are inalienable. Inalienable is that the right word? They're irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I think drugs can lead to that often. I just, yeah, I, I don't. For me, different people, the way different people have uh, acted in the pandemic, such as family members who are old, too old to be taking road trips, just <laughs> wheeling all around the Midwest, just going rogue all around. No masks, no gloves, no nothing. What? And you can Your family members are doing that. Do you need me to call them? No, I'm just joking. Well, I tell you, I tell you, I can't even tell you how many times I have really had the conversations with them and the people around them. I'm like, let me just explain it one more way. Maybe you'll understand if I just lay out the potential for ventilator this way. Um, it's not, but so I've had to learn a little bit of loving detachment in this time. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, but that to me is not just like keeping my mouth shut and then suffering about it and worrying about it. It's like, knowing how many times I'm allowed to say a thing and then let it step away from it and then fill my life with something else that feels more grounding and um, nourishing to me and just like sending them all my love. That's, you know, that's the wisest thing, I think, Nicole, because, and it really is, it is so, it is a measure of wisdom to be able to say, I know I need to say my perspective. I know I need to make myself vulnerable to compel them to see that I'm concerned for their welfare and I'm concerned for other people's welfare. And like, really, it is wise and healthy to do that. I'm a fan of the rule of threes. Mm-hmm. You say it three times. Uh, but, you know, everyone can come up with their number. But then at a certain point to recognize now you're just trying to com- convince people and now you're just trying to change people. And it's on you to take responsibility for you and to know that you've said your piece and it's their responsibility to choose to hear it or not. And, you know, it's a really, it's a hard thing to learn. Um, and it's a life practice for most of us and nobody's good at it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing with, you know, to our, our questioner, wherever you're at, um, I would say you got to accept w- what other people are telling you that they are. Yeah. You do, whether or not you like it, you have to accept it. And then you can make decisions based on that acceptance about what comes next. 
last last note on this person's question listener don't forget people who are therapists who are advocates as their profession like go through elaborate training on how to keep their own boundaries well and healthy when they're dealing with people who are suffering greatly so if you're just a rogue a rogue friend just dabbling in advocating for your friends that are experiencing great like psychological disorder right now it's actually a thing. If you feel really fucked up afterwards, that's a thing. And that's why people go through like actual training, like Jessica Lanyato here, like definitely has like rituals and much, much experience of how to keep her own self like very grounded and healthy. And it may not be something that we can just impart in five seconds on yeah. a podcast. And also the things I do with clients work. The things I do with friends don't always work. Because mm-hmm. if clients are coming to you for help saying, please help me, I will actually pay you for help because that's how important it is to me. Yeah, it's yeah. a structured dynamic. We are not there to talk about me. So I might share some things about me as a way to uh, facilitate the connection or because I like them or whatever. But in a friendship, it is supposed to be reciprocal. That's the agreement. Mm. If you're in a love relationship with somebody, you're supposed to bone. Like it's part of the agreement. It's like to be sweet to each other now and again and to fuck now and again, right? <laughs> um, and if you're in friendship, it's supposed to be that you listen to each other and you're there for each other. And there are going to inevitably be times where, you know, I'm going through shit. And so I obsessively talk about myself and you show up for me and that's what's happening. But if that's all that's happening, then... I wouldn't call that friendship at a certain point. And I don't know very many people who haven't been in this situation where either they're the the therapist friend or they're the taker of friends. We've all been both, or mm. most of us have been one or the other at least. And I think that that's, you know, being like a good therapist or a good counselor doesn't always translate to friendship stuff because it takes consent from the other person. Whereas as an actual counselor, once somebody's scheduled an appointment with me, they've already consented to listening to me, even if they disagree with me, you know? Whereas as a friend, like I can call you for advice, Nicole, and I could be like, this is your pressure advice. I'm not listening. And I can just change the subject. Yeah. Right. It's just a different, it's a different thing. So be patient with your process, but also it's your process and not your process of taking care of them or fixing them or any of that. That's yeah. what we agree on, right, Nicole? We agree on that essentially. Yeah, oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I agree with you on everything, just saying. I, I agree with you on everything, too. Nobody knows this, but I agree with you on your very cute pink lipstick. Thank you Nobody so much. Knows. Thank you so yeah. much. I'm, people also don't know this, but you did cut your hair while we were doing the podcast just a little bit. Jessica. Just like one hair. I felt it, and I had to cut it. Her hair is a little shorter than last time you were on the podcast. It's shaped beautifully. You, you. took a like a class, like a you had... You were an apprentice of learning to cut your own beautiful curly hair during COVID times. Yeah. This Chrissy, her, she's on Instagram at Chrissy Collins uh, and she's a curly haired specialist. And when I had to take out my hair extensions, uh, my haircut was horrifying because it hadn't been cut in so long. And she walked me through. She was like, pick up that curl. Wait, not that curl. Pick up this curl and then lift it over your head. And then it was amazing. She just talked me through a haircut. It looks gorgeous. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Jessica, do you have any, anything else you feel like listeners need to know? 
during this particular time? It's tragic. Mm-hmm. The time is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think listeners need to know that they need to keep on washing their hands and wearing masks and staying six feet apart. And when it's not possible to stay six feet apart to take whatever other precautions you can, um, you know, as an astrologer, my concerns about COVID are very deep. And um, so I want to encourage everyone to to take it seriously because I think a lot of people have kind of lost track of COVID um, through the social uprising. And um, it's hard to talk about them both at the same time, honestly, I feel like um, for lots of reasons, even though they're directly connected um, in my view. So I think, I think that, you know, I just want to take this moment to say not to be scared of the pandemic, but instead to do your part within it, you know, mm-hmm. to take responsibility for what you can, because you can't control much, but you can't control your own behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that I would say about that. I would encourage everyone to be fiscally conservative at this time. It's tempting to shop online. Don't don't unless you need to, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Like I'm really just in pragmatic mode. Um, I don't know what else I would say. I think that's great. Okay, great. Good. I'm so glad. Jessica, thank you for coming on the podcast again. You are an esteemed friend of the show, frequent contributor, and resident Capricorn astrology expert. Thank you. I adore you and producer Ponyo. And, uh, I love coming on the show all the time. I would live here on the show. Mm-hmm. I would just sit here on the show, just living here, answering questions if I could. It would be so, what if we just had like a 24 hour live stream, just like us. I just, would do that. And then people just like, I guess that that exists. I guess that kind of thing exists. Maybe we could actually schedule that kind of thing. But if we just like sat here all day and just like different, like we had different moments, right? Taking a little break to go to the bathroom, coming back, having snacks. Oh, another question came in and just riffing. I would really like that. But could I add to this idea that we have a third person who is maybe like a violinist or cellist or something, just playing instrumentals, just in the, maybe somebody who has bells. Hmm. I don't know, a triangle. Isn't that an instrument? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think we could do that. We could just like add some sort of musical ambiance. Oh, yeah. just a didgeridoo in the background. There's a didgeridoo in the background. Is that the one that sounds like a rain stick? Oh, no. no, that's, oh, a, that's rain a rain stick. stick. Didgeridoo is a wow, wow, wow. Oh yeah, that's that was my teen years. <laughs> oh, um, I used to hang out with these hippies in Montreal, and one of them had dug a sensory deprivation tank into the floor of his apartment. God bless him. God bless him. And he would do acid and lie in there for hours. And then a bunch of teenage girls would hang out in his apartment. Mm-hmm. He's like, obviously in his like late twenties or whatever, uh, just smoking his weed. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm telling that story, but something, oh, it was the didgeridoo. There was always a didgeridoo. Of course. In this apartment. Of course there was. Oh my God. That, that's a great story to end on. Thank you, Jessica. I mean, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for bringing that out of my memories. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.